Hello, I'm Dick Foth, and I'd like to welcome you to Known, stories to make sense of it all. And these stories are what I call walking books, real-life people from different places, different ages, different cultures, and I want to have some conversations with them across disciplines and generations and cultures in order to encourage a kind of knowing, uh, fresh lenses through which to see the world. One of those lenses will be scripture, or more specifically, Jesus of Nazareth, whose life, I believe, changed the course of the history of the world. So, thanks for listening in. Great to have you with us. So we're sitting on 8th Street Southeast in Washington, D.C., just a couple of hundred yards from 8th and I Marine Corps Barracks, which is famous in the military world. And I'm sitting with my friends, Justin and Mackenzie Matthew. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey, Dick. And we've been back here for a couple of days and just roaming around doing things, stirring up trouble, trying to run the nation and all of that. <laughs> but you guys are an iconic couple in my circles because you work with young people. And uh, Justin, you, you work with middle schoolers. That's right. And high school sort of overlap. And Mackenzie, you started with high school, now you're college and young adults. So mm -hmm. so we have a range from how, 11 years old, 12 years old middle yeah, schoolers? Yeah, 11. 11 to 30-ish right here. So yeah. we're going to take a few minutes and just talk about that. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Justin. For, first of all, where did you guys meet? Just real quickly. Yeah, we met at a Young Life camp in Northern uh, California okay. about how long ago? Golly. In well, 2007. 2007. Okay. And did you did you like him right away? Or? <laughs> that's a really that's of course a funny she long did. story. <laughs> <laughs> we started dating six months later. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. But we, you dated long distance. We you did. Were, you were in Tennessee. University of Tennessee, and Mackenzie's at Colorado State University. Mm -hmm. So you did that for how long? Three years. Three, Three years. years. I know, which is like people think it's crazy that wow. we survived that. So. But you but you did, and here you are, <laughs> and did. you've been married now how long? Five years in August. Okay. And you're throwing your life. You get up every morning mm -hmm. to go and give your life away to young people or invest your life in young people. Mm -hmm. So I have grandchildren. Ruth and I have grandchildren who are middle schoolers. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that age group that for a number of us and maybe a number listening scares the bejeebers out of us okay <laughs> so talk to us about your thoughts about that yeah I, I, I love middle school students I, I remember whenever I first got hired at the church I didn't know really what I was getting myself into right. um, but middle school kids I, I always say that they get kind of a bad rap they they most people are kind of too scared of them or afraid that they're going to just go crazy and they can't ever control them. But I, I always say the biggest thing about middle school students is just showing up, being available in their life, uh, letting them know that you do care and you're not leaving in four months. Okay. Like, like most like most adults in their life, they're kind of coming and going. And uh, yeah, just trying to be consistent, going to where they are, playing by their rules and their turf. So you, and you coach basketball at yep. a local middle school. I do. You're there. 
Yeah. You go to the restaurants where they're going to hang out. Yeah, I, I go to wrestling matches. I go to football practice. I go to track meets. And track meets are the easiest because kids are just standing around always. And there's really nothing for them to do other if it's not time for their meet. And so, um, yeah, I hang out with them. And, and I know that the students walk down to a little restaurant right before wrestling matches right. or track practices. And so I know that if I'm at that restaurant while they're there, then they have no choice but to hang out with me. Okay, so. So they're 11, let's say, when you start yeah. with them. And then the giant puberty hits, and they go to high school. And Mackenzie, talk to us about high school. You, well, you can both jump in and talk about high schoolers. Just I always say with, with middle school kids, when you're just, when you pay attention, they want they just want you, they're just in with you. With a high school student, you have to earn it with them a little bit more. They're a little okay. bit like, I don't know. I don't know if you're cool enough. I don't know if I want you. I don't know if I want to hear from you. So it's a, I think there's similar principles when when you show up, when you when you stick around long enough, but you kind of have to have a little bit of thicker skin to be like, you know, kids always had, I had countless kids ditch me, not want to hang out with me. High schoolers. Oh, yeah. High schoolers, but there's something about pursuing anyone. Maybe that's any relationship, any age, when you show up, when you're invested, when you care, that that, that pays off. So... What I heard you and I heard you say as we had previous conversations that if you lock in with a middle schooler, oh, yeah. you they're your sort of friends for life. Is yeah. that is that correct? Yeah, I, I I really believe that if you if you grow close with a middle school kid early, they're your friends forever. Uh, I I don't know who I don't know who says this. It's not me, but they say that middle school kids are all they want is for you to think they're cool. That's it. And then whenever whenever you meet a high school kid for the first time, they're wondering if you are cool. Uh-huh. And so I, I always say that if you smile and laugh a whole bunch and, and and be a friend, I really believe that middle school kids are your friends forever. And you have to be a little crazy, don't you? I mean, you have to do the crazy <laughs> stuff, don't you? Yeah, and he does. I, I'm not <laughs> suggesting you're crazy. Well, maybe I am. Yeah, maybe. Oh, definitely. So, I, you know, I have a... I have a friend. She's now in her fifties, or and but years ago, uh, I said, "How are you doing?" I'll call her Joan. I said, "Joan, how are you doing?" And she said, "I have a fourteen-year-old son, and I have stupid written on my forehead." Uh, that's the high school. That's the, the, the high school deal. Uh, we have parents who hopefully are listening to this podcast. What can we as parents, or as grandparents, in, in my case, because we've got grandchildren who are middle school and high school, what can we do to uh, help nurture our, our kids and grandkids in a culture that has a thousand voices? Mm-hmm. What can we do to work hand in glove with folks like you who are youth workers? Uh, what can we do? You know, I I always say that I I get parents that come up to me all the time and they'll say, uh, Justin, in your small group, if my son says anything about anything, I want you to come and tell me. Okay. And and I always say, (laughs) okay, maybe. Um, And then I kind of explain to them that, I, I think that there's some things that they want to share with somebody other than their parents. 
and, and we have kind of the helicopter parents the like. I want to sit in on their small groups. I want to stare through the blinds <laughs> while you guys are having small groups. And then you have and then you have the other side where you have parents that are just like, I don't care what's going on. As long as they're there, I get a night where I don't have my kid. And so they just kind of want to be just whatever. And I, I think of students who who I, I really believe that whether they say it or not, they want to have a, uh, a deep relationship with their parents. Um, and I think some parents try to force that, and yeah. I think other parents could care less about that. One of my big thoughts when it comes to parents, really of lots of different ages, is the idea of just listening and asking and being curious. I think there's a lot of parents that want to tell their kids a lot of things. Or like, oh, you got some, I got something to tell you. Listen to this. Or like kind of be firm, but yeah, I think because, there's a because lot. Because we're trying to invest principles in their lives. Totally. Or, and I, yeah, and I think the heart is good, but I think that that can miss sometimes and being, being able to be curious to ask, what do you think about that? What do you see here? Do you ever, how does this make you feel? Asking questions and trying to listen or give them the stage to be heard, I think goes a really yeah. long way. You know, sometimes I, um, my son-in-law and I just took their 13-year-old, because we do this thing of taking our 13-year-old grandkids on trips, he wanted to go to, to Hawaii. And uh, so we ended up going there, and he was playing a video game, a particular video game, and uh, it, which is standard procedure, and that's standard <laughs> operating procedure always. Right. But, but things dynamically changed when I said to him, tell me about that game, yeah. and could you teach me? Yeah. Teach me about that, that game. And it, and it allowed for, again, my interest in his world, whether I liked his world or not, or, you know, because a lot of times, ah, video games, why don't you talk to me and all that. Um, we had some friends for years, well, still have them, but they, um, they had six children, and they would do marriage stuff. And they had this sort of model of how you bring up a child. And they said, birth to seven, you have rules. You know, Johnny, don't go in the street. Cars are bad for your health. <laughs> from, from eight to 13, it was example. The kids are watching you like hawks to see how you're doing, you know, how you do this. Because if it's incongruent, if you're not doing what you talk about and so forth. And from 14 and up, you negotiate as a, as a parent. <laughs> so you're dealing with, on the one hand, uh, young people who want example, who are looking at you for that, and, and you're also dealing, dealing with negotiators. Mm -hmm. I had some youth workers say to me, youth work would be tremendous if it weren't for the parents. <laughs> and, and, and that's not, or, or excuse me, not youth workers. It was a high school teacher who said, oh. "You uh, mm. being a high school teacher would be great if it weren't for the parents." This is in the last year and a half. Um, as a parent, I, you know, I take offense. I say, "What are you talking about?" But what would be, what would be an an ideal for you as people who are trying to help other people's children understand life, understand eternal life, understand who Jesus is, and so forth. What might be a couple of things that you would say? And then we're going to just wrap this up. Hmm. Yeah, I, I love when parents come to me and ask how they can help. I okay. love that. Uh, I, I love when parents say that, hey, I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm invested and I, I want to know how I can help and how I can help you and support you. And um, hmm. I, I just really think that 
a lot of times parents, um, they kind of use, I would say, youth workers and as almost kind of like an in. They, they think that um, I'm working uh, on their team. I'm, I'm on the parent's team, and they think it's like me and the parent versus the kid. Uh-huh. And then I, I always say that I... I'm working on your team. Like you have unbelievably amount more time with a student than I do. Uh-huh. And so I, I want to say that I want to be on your team as we try to serve your child best. Uh-huh. And, and I, I, I really, really appreciate when parents, um, when first off they trust me yeah. and, and they tell me they trust me and they and they want their student to hang out with me. There's nothing more more frustrating for me whenever I'm trying to do my best to pursue a student and their yeah. parents are just like, no, he he can't really do that tonight. And <laughs> it, it, it's really, really tough. And I, I look at it as... Um, opportunities missed sure. a, a lot of times. And, and then I also have students where they can be grounded from everything oh, sure. except for me, <laughs> and, and, which is also uh, pretty crazy too. And so, and I, I mean, I get parents or I get students that will text me and be like, Hey, I can't come tonight cause I'm grounded. And I'm yeah. like from church, <laughs> you're, you're grounded from right. church. And so grounded from Jesus. Yeah. There from Jesus. Go. None of that. Yeah. In one month, <laughs> Jesus is back. And so, but, I, but I get it. I, I do. I was a parent of, the, you know, so oh yeah, I, I understand. I I wish I'd had somebody like you when I was thirteen. Yeah, and, you, and we could shoot. Actually, I had one guy who actually came and picked me up from junior high school. But when we called it junior high school in the ninth grade, every Friday, and we'd go shoot hoops. Mm. And his impact on me was much larger than anything else I remember from junior high. Mm. Isn't that amazing? Mackenzie, you have any last thoughts at, at no, this moment, or yeah, just? Yeah, no, I think that's all. Yeah, that's really good. I think parents are, are all parents are really just doing the best they can. Boy, you know, and I truth. think and I think that that's I see that a ton, and I think it's okay when, in, to have space to say, hey, we're just doing the best we can. Yeah, you know, and yeah. not having to necessarily have it all figured out or necessarily well, having to control everything. Well, because but. most of us never did it before. You totally, know, we, we didn't do that. I'd like to come back in a bit, not right now. We're going to wrap this piece up, but I want to talk about social media. Oof. Maybe we can do this in two segments and come back and do a social media segment. Mm-hmm. I just. If I could, if I could add anything to the Bible, this is going to sound terrible. <laughs> if I, could, if I, could add anything, I would like to have a Bible with inflection, mm. so that when Jesus says, you know, don't give any thought for tomorrow, because tomorrow's got enough junk for it. That's a folk prayer for you know, just stuff like. But the other piece, if if we could only have read Jesus in his teen years, mm. because we have him to twelve. And then it jumps to like 30, you know, so we, we have that. And I don't think that's sacrilegious. I just think that's that's a, a piece that we need to be, um, we need to engage young people in following this Jesus. But we don't have that piece of the model. But we do have his model of going and being with people where they were, totally. walking with them through their stuff. We do have that all the way through. And that's what you do. Mm-hmm. So thank you for investing in our kids and grandkids. Mm-hmm. Love you. And we'll circle back and do another piece of this in a bit. Thanks. Great. Bro. Thanks, Dick. You're Bye-bye. Best. We'll continue the conversation with Justin and Mackenzie Matthews um, a bit later. And by a bit later, I mean in another podcast down the road, because it's important, I think, for us to have uh, better handles on uh, 
youth culture today, especially the whole arena of social media, which impacts all of us, but particularly it impacts young people. So we'll circle back to them down the road a bit. Thanks for being with us today.